ो मित्रुण शोवत्ंद्र बृहस्पति शो विष्णुक्रम नमो ब्रह्मणे नमस्ते वायमेव प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्मसी प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्म वदिष्या वदिष्या सत्यम वदिष्या तन्मावधु तद्वक्तावधु मवतु वक्ता सहनावधु सहनौ भुन सह वीकवाहै तेजस्वीनावधीतमस्तुम विद्वहै छंदसमृषभ विश्व छंदोभ्यमृतासंबूव समेन्द्र मेधयाणारण भूयासम शरीर मे विचर्षण जिह्वा मे मधुमत्तमा कर्णाभ्यां भूरी विश्रुवं ब्रह्मण कोशोसी मेधया पीद श्रुत मे गोपाय ओ शाशाशाशा ओ अहम वृक्षरिव कीर्ति पृष्ठंगिरेव ऊर्धपवित्रोवाजिनी वस्वृतमस्मे द्रविण गुंसवर्चस सुमेधा अमृतोक्षिशंखोर्वेदाचन शाति 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 पूर्णमदूर्णमद पूर्णमुदच्यते पूर्ण से पूर्णमादा पूर्णमेवशिष्य ओ शाति 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 श्रुतिस्मृतिपुरा आलय करुणाल नमा भगवत्दशंकोकशंकराचार्य केशव बादरायण सूत्रभाष्यकृत वंदे पुनः 
ईश्वर गुरुरात्मेरे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमवद्व्याप्तदेहाय दक्षिणामूर्तये नमः अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अवांग मनसगोचरम अवांग मनसगोचरम आत्मानमखिलाधारम आत्मानमखिलाधारम आश्रये भीष्टसिद्धये आश्रये भीष्टसिद्धये अर्थतोप्यद्वयानंदान अर्थतोप्यद्वयानंदान अतीतद्वैतभानतः अतीतद्वैतभान गुरूनाराध्य वेदांत गुरूनाराध्य वेदांत सारं वक्ष्ये यथामदे सारं वक्ष्ये यथामदे Now we proceed with the other steps of the Ashtanga Yoga, having discussed the first two steps, Yama and Niyama, then the next step is called Asana, says uh, passage 203 on page 112. <coughs> Karacharanadi Samsthana Visheshalakshanani Padmasvastikadini Asanani Asanani, asanam. Asana can mean a seat or it can mean a posture. Asanam can also mean a seat. So, asyade, asmin, iti, asanam, where one sits is called asanam, meaning a seat. And asyade, anena, iti, asanam, the manner in which one sits is also called asanam. So, word, asanam is, is derived from the root as, means to sit. <coughs> so, where one sits is called asanam, or the way one sits also is called asanam. And therefore, for this asanam in Bhagavad Gita, we find certain instructions given. Suchavudeshe pradishthapya sthiram asanam atmanah natyuchritam natinijam chailajina kushottaram. Lord Krishna says about talking about meditation. Suchavudeshe pradishthapya. In a clean place, one should sit for meditation or prayer in a clean place, place which is clean externally, as well as place which is which has a certain sanctity about it. And therefore, go to a river bank or go into the forest or go into a temple or go into a, a holy, holy spot. Or maybe you can sit in your own place, in your own home, in your own room, in a given spot, which also if you maintain a certain atmosphere there, then also gains a certain kind of a sanctity. If you sit in a given place, then 
uh, and keep doing prayers and whatever every day, then that place also gains a, a certain uh, quality about it. So, Shuchavudesha is Pratishthapya. In a place which is clean or which has a certain sanctity, may one sit. Sthiramasanam Atmanaha. Atmanaha Asanam. One should have one's own seat. What is the Aschailajana Kushottaram? The Lord Krishna says that Kusha, first of all on the ground, one must spread that grass, Kusha grass, a certain kind of grass, or a mat made of that grass. Then Ajinam, then a deer skin or skin or something like that. And then Chaila, Chaila means a cloth. So Lord Krishna recommends there that this is how you must, you should make up your seat. That first layer is, is that grass or a mat made of that kusha grass and then a leather skin like, of a, like a deer skin or something and then on that you spread the cloth and sit on that. <coughs> it is okay whatever you do whether this kind of things are done or not. The idea is that uh, there should be some kind of an insulation between the, uh, you should not sit on the floor should not sit on the bare floor, but there should be an insulation. So that, that kusha grass provides that insulation also and the freedom from dampness and whatever. And that uh, deer skin or such thing also provides a certain insulation. And then cloth should be there. Natyachritam natinicham. It should not be in a place which is too high or too low in terms of an elevation or in, in, our, in our own place also. It should be in a in a uh, place which is steady, where you can sit comfortably, and uh, this is how the asanam should be. <coughs> so, that is asanam means where you sit is asanam, your seat. Or asanam can also mean the way you sit, also is called asanam. Asyate anena prakarena idi asanam. <coughs> so, it is said here, karacharanadi. Samsthana Vishesha Lakshanani. So, particular position, Samsthanam, a position. Samsthana Vishesha, particular position. So, Samsthana Vishesha Lakshanani, particular positions of Kara, Charana. Kara means hand and Charana means leg. So, particular position of hands, legs and the body is called Asanam or a posture. <coughs> Padma swastikadini asanani. Padmasana, the lotus posture. Swastika. And so many postures are there which are known as asana. So there is vajrasana, there is siddhasana. Many uh, postures are there for sitting in a very steady position. So this is called asanam. And this also is important apparently. In the process of meditation, this also is a very important step. Why? To be able to sit is not easy. In many, you know, if you are not accustomed to sit itself is difficult. To, you know, to fold the legs itself is so difficult. And even in India, where people are accustomed to sit with folded legs, it is not easy to sit in one posture for a great length, in a length of time. Because, you, the leg starts aching and therefore you have to keep on changing the postures. <clears throat> and even if you are able to sit in a posture for a given length of time, to sit that erect, you know, 
without movement is even more difficult. And if you sit there erect without movement, then also to sit comfortable is extremely difficult. So what is meant by asram is a posture in which you, you should sit. In short, one should perform meditation while sitting. That is the most ideal position. Although if you cannot sit, then, I mean, with folded legs on the ground, you can sit in whichever way it is comfortable for you. You can even sit in a chair, or you can sit in whichever way it is convenient for you to sit. If you cannot sit, you can recline also. If even that is difficult, you stretch out. What is important is that you should pray or you should meditate. Just because I cannot sit, therefore I don't do meditation, or therefore I, I don't do japa or whatever, that is not right, you know. What is important is you should do that. And if you can do it in a posture where you are seated, it is ideal. And that is not done in whichever posture that is convenient to you, comfortable. But you will find that it is not possible really to remain in any given posture for any length of time other than sitting. Even if you recline, you cannot recline and, and remain in that posture for a length of time. You will change, you see. So actually, sitting in that manner is the most comfortable way of having a steady, uh, you know, posture. <coughs> but, uh, and what posture that is also is not very important for Yoga Shastra. So Yoga Shastra does not really define in which posture you should sit. This Padmasana, meaning the lotus posture, has become very famous. Perhaps it is the most, uh, one of the most comfortable postures and one of the easiest postures also, amongst others. And the advantage of the lotus posture is that your legs press your, the, uh, the root of the thighs and that is how the blood circulation in the legs is minimized or even, you know, minimized and therefore more blood is available for the upper part of the body and particularly for the head. So what is important is that as much as possible the energy of the blood should be available to the head because that is how, that is where you perform your mental acts. And so this lotus posture, and there are other postures also, so these are uh, recommended for meditation because it, they provide you a very wide base and therefore you can sit steadily. The base should be, the center of gravity should be in the middle and the base should be as wide as possible so that you can sit there steadily without having the the risk of being imbalanced. <clears throat> and of course, Yoga Shastra defines posture in a simple manner, sthira sukham asanam. Important thing about asanam or the posture is sthira sukham asanam. The posture must be sukham, comfortable, and sthiram, steady. That is important. So, Shuchaudeshe Pratishthapya Sthiramasanam Atmanaha Natyuchritam Natinicham Chailajana Kushottaram Tatrikagram Manakrutva Yatachitendriya Kriyaha Uvavishyasana Yudhya Yindyad Yogamatma Vishuddhe Samam Kara Shirogrivam Dharayan Achalam Sthiraha Samprekshana Asikagram Swam Dishaschanam Lokayam Lord Krishna says Samam Kara Shirogrivam this kaya means the body, shira means the head, and griva means the neck. The body, 
head and neck samam in one straight line. Samam kaya shirogrivam dharyan achalam sthiraha. And the body also should be achalam, meaning it should not move. And sthiraha, it should be steady. So sometimes there is a habit of, you know, sitting also and doing something like that. So sometimes while prayers also, people move like that, you know, says so no, sthiram. Because if the body is steady, then the mind also is likely to be steady. If the body has a habit of movement, then it affects the mind also. The relationship in body and mind sometimes is compared to the relationship between water which is in a bucket. If you move the bucket, the water inside also will move. If you shake the bucket, that water also will shake and so also. If the body is shaking or otherwise moving, then the mind also will have an effect. Therefore, sthiram. So it should be sthiramasaramatmanaha. The body should be steady. So samam kaya shirogrivam dharyan achalam sthiraha. Remaining steady, may you sustain your body in such a manner that there is no movement in there. Samprayekshanasikagram swam. And may you look at the tip of your nose. Or idea is that may your the, the vision also be steady. Dishascha anavalokayan. Without looking in other directions, meaning that one should totally withdraw one's attention from all other preoccupations and focus one's attention. Whether the attention is focused at the tip of the nose, that is for the beginning. That when the eyes are steady, then the mind also will become steady. When eyes are unsteady, mind also becomes unsteady. That's the reason why generally we are asked to meditate with our eyes closed. But sometimes that also creates difficulty for people that as soon as you close the eyes, the mind becomes restless. And there were sometimes I recommend that you might even seek to gain a concentration of mind by even open eyes. Not completely open, but maybe half closed. So sometimes you find Lord Shiva meditating with half closed eyes. That is called Shambhavi Mudra. There of course in case of Lord Shiva, the half closed means that his attention is upon the self. At the same time, he does look at the world. But here, half closed is, because if you close the eyes, and if the mind starts wandering, then you can keep your eyes open and focus the attention of the eyes. The eyes become steady and the mind also becomes steady. And therefore here it is recommended that to steady your mind, may you look at the tip of your nose if, if that is convenient. <coughs> But important is that the body should be steady, the gaze also should be steady, or the eyes should preferably be closed, then the mind can be also become steady, mind also can become steady. So Sage Patanjali uh, says this about asanam, sthirasukham asanam, that the posture should be sthiram, should be steady, sukham should be comfortable. And the body and the neck and the head should be in a straight line. They consider it very important that the spinal column is in a straight line. And they talk of all kinds of spiritual energy flowing through the spinal column, etc. But then it is important that it is steady. And then alone you can have a, an undisturbed position. If, this, if, if the body is, is not straight, it is possible that when your mind is focused, then it is possible that the body may perhaps bend down and you may be disturbed. And if you are sitting on a chair and things like that, you can fall down also. And that's the reason why 
that your body does not become a source of disturbance. The idea is that when you are praying or meditating, that you do not want that your body should become a source of disturbance. And for that they said, Sthira Sukham Asanam, the posture which is steady and which is comfortable. And perhaps to sit in a comfortable and a steady posture may require a lot of discipline. You may require all of the yogasanas. So the whole practice of asana is, if nothing else, is to gain a body which is comfortable when you are sitting. So that there are no pains in the joints and things like that. And they say that if you are able to sit comfortably in a steady position for 48 minutes, which is one prahara, then you can say that there is asana siddhi, meaning you accomplish that particular posture. So you have you have mastered that particular posture. If you can sit in any one posture for a period of 48 minutes steadily, it's not easy. But then this is what is called asanam. And in, for meditation, the steadiness of the body is considered to be extremely important because body can be a source of distraction. It always is. And so the body, uh, when you're sitting, then there are no aches and pains. And when you're sitting, the body is steady. Then you can forget the body. Then one can forget the body and one can focus attention on the object of meditation. That's the whole idea. The purpose of asana is to be able to be comfortable with body so that body does not become a source of distraction. And in order to gain that kind of a comfortable posture for a given length of time, it may be necessary that one has, the body should be relaxed. And for the body to be relaxed, it may be, would be necessary that all the joints of the body are also relaxed, the muscles. And therefore the stretching exercises, which are the yoga exercises, all of them help relaxing the body. And therefore you can sit in a relaxed position. This is called asanam. <coughs> The next talks of pranayama says in the next passage Rechaka Puraka Kumbhaka Lakshanaha Prananigraha Upayaha Pranayama Pranayama, Pranayama, Prana means the vital energy and Ayama means control. So Pranayama, the control of the vital force. So we are talking of the Pranamaya Koshaha. We have the gross body and then we have the vital force. The vital force is that which is responsible for the various functions in the body which is responsible for the physiological functions in the body. That is called the vital force. And therefore these vital forces are tentatively recognized as five. Prana, apana, vyana, udana and samana. So vital force manifests itself in the body in these physiological functions. Like prana, the respiratory functions. The apana, the excretion function of rejection excretion. Vyana, the circulation. Udana, the rejection. Rejection here, as we said, Udana is the vayu that becomes active 
when the body throws something away out. And samana, the system of digestion or assimilation. So prana, apana, vyana, udana and samana. These are the five expressions of what we call prana or the vital force. So pranayama is the control of this vital force. <coughs> Why is there a need to control the vital force? Because as Ramana Maharshi says, that chitvayavaha chitkriya yutaha shakhayordvai shakti mulaka. Says that this chitta and the vayu, our mind and our prana. So ultimately, the, the vital force that is possible for us to control right away is this breathing. And therefore prana is often understood as the breath, pranayama is often understood as breath control. Although it is not merely breath control, it is really control of the vital functions. And the yogis who have mastered this pranayama are also able to control their various other vital functions also. But it begins by control of what we call the breathing, the breath. So, says, Vairodhanat, Chitta Vairavaha, Chit Kriyayutaha, Shakhayordvai, Shakti Mulaka. Like from the one stem, two branches are branching out. And similarly also from the one stem called the, the prime ener, primordial energy, these two branches are there, one is called the prana and other is called chitta or the mind. So this kriya shakti, kriya shakti means the power to act. Other is the jnana shakti or icha shakti, the power to think and the power to know. So these two branches, the prana and the chittam, the vital force in the mind, so these are the two branches as though branching out from one primal energy. And therefore, just as in a tree, by when there are two branches of the tree, when you do something in one branch, the other branch also is automatically affected because both of them are connected at the stem. And similarly also, in order to control your mind or steady your mind, rather, the if you can steady the prana, then it also helps you steady the mind. So this is the idea that both prana as well as the uh, chittam or the mind, both of them originate from the same source and therefore same energy, fundamental energy. Therefore by controlling one, you can control the other. <coughs> and it is our experience also that when our mind gets disturbed, it affects the breathing system also. Or if you are running or whatever and that's how you are breathing fast, then your mind also naturally becomes uh, disturbed. So breath and the mind, they are connected with each other. And that being the case, of course the body and breath are also connected. That's the reason why you steady your body. Then the breathing and the mind also will become steady. So first is asanam, comfortable and steady posture. Second is a steady breathing. Says Lord Krishna in Gita also, Sparshan Krutva Bahirvahyan Chakshus Chivan Parebhuvaho Pranapanam Samukrutva Nasa Bhintra Charinam. There is prana and the apana which are all the time moving in your, in your nostrils. Pranapanam Samukrutva. In that sense, prana is the breath, the breathing in is called prana. I mean, uh, uh, the breathing out is called prana and the breathing in is called apana. So, prana apana samukrutva. May you uh, make the study, this flow of the prana and the apana. 
And so this also is considered to be very important, that our breathing also should be steady, then, then alone our mind can be steady, otherwise the mind cannot be steady. And so Yoga Shastra, of course, talks of pranayama. Pranayama is control of breath, in fact, stopping the breath completely. So what they are, in fact, seeking ultimately is to stop the breath completely. Because they say that as long as your breath is moving, so long the mind also moves because the breath and the mind are connected. And therefore, if you are able to make your breathing steady, the mind also will become steady. And therefore, this ability to steady one's breath is called pranayama. And for that, of course, there is a whole science. It says here, pranigraha upayaha. There are upaya or the methods of pranigraha or of controlling this breath. <coughs> Rechaka, Puraka, Kumbhaka Lakshanaha. Rechaka meaning emptying out. Puraka means filling in. And Kumbhaka means stopping. So emptying out, filling in and stopping. This Rechaka, Puraka and Kumbhaka. So these are the methods by which you control your breath. This is normally going on. Even when we breathe normally, this rechaka, puraka and kumbhaka, these processes are going on. Because we empty out the breath, we fill in, and there is a moment also when the breathing stops also. So, when you breathe in, then there is a moment when the breath stops, that may be called, so breathing in is called puraka. And the moment when the breathing stops, the... Uh, the breath, the air that you, oxygen that you have taken is held there for a moment, that will be called kumbhaka. And then you breathe out, that is called rechaka. Again for a moment, the breath may remain out, you know, the air, and again you breathe in. So, in common breathing process also, this rechaka, puraka and kumbhaka, these are naturally going on, except that we have no control over them at the moment. So, Yoga Shastra, seeks to control the breath by, in fact, deliberately doing this. So, deliberately fill in your lungs, deliberately and slowly. And hold the breath there, that's what we call puraka. Or deliberately and slowly empty your lungs and hold it there for a while, that we call rechaka. Or hold the breath at any given point in, in between, that would be called kumbhaka. So, rechaka, Puraka and Kumbhaka. So these are the methods. And then they, of course, this keeps on advancing to the extent that one gains a complete mastery over the breath to, in such a manner that even without making any attempt on your part to stop your breath, the breath stops just as soon as your mind becomes focused upon something. Here, even when momentarily my mind becomes concentrated, it is breathing that disturbs it. But when the breathing gets completely tuned up, then for a yogi, the breath also becomes totally in tune with the mind. If the mind becomes steady, breath becomes steady. Mind stops, the breath also stops. This is the kind of control that they are seeking. This is the pranayama, which uh, should only be done under the guidance of someone who knows. Otherwise, you should not dabble into this kind of breathing exercise except that one can do simple breathing exercise of just filling in, breathing in, breathing out. So you can close one nostril like this, open and keep another nostril open, 
like the left nostril is closed, the right one is open. You can slowly breathe in and fill up all your lungs comfortably. And without any attempt to hold the breath, then close the right nostril, open the left one and slowly breathe out as slowly as you can without putting any strain upon yourself. And the left nostril is open, then you slowly breathe in from there, fill up all your lungs, close that one, open the other nostril and slowly breathe out. So this way is simple exercise of breathing in and breathing out, deep breathing as you might call it, is also very useful in as much as it enables you to make your mind steady. And they even recommend that while doing this, may you suggest to yourself that while the lungs are being filled with fresh air, then you may suggest to your mind that all the purity and freshness is, you know, my, my whole being is being filled by all purity and freshness. And when the breath is, you know, you are breathing out, that time, suggest to yourself that all the impurities which are within are all being emptied out. So I'm drawing in all the purity and I'm throwing out all the impurity. In this manner also one may suggest and do this exercise for a period of time which is very helpful and it definitely, you when you suggest your mind the, the purity coming in and the impurity going out, in fact the mind does experience that. So, this is the simple exercise of deep breathing. And another thing, another simple thing that is recommended as far as pranayama is concerned, which doesn't require in the training, which anybody can do, is called pranavikshanam, meaning watching the breath. And so, having seated in a steady posture, then second step may be that you may observe your breathing. May your attention be focused on the tip of the nose and just observe the breathing without any interference. So first as we said, do some deep breathing for a few minutes and thus after the deep breathing, when the breathing has become steady and balanced, then spend a few more minutes in observing this breathing process. So your attention is at the tip of your nose and you can feel, experience the breath living and the breath coming in. So you see that the breath, the air that is coming in is somewhat cooler air and the air that is leaving is somewhat warmer air. And just steadily observe this. This is called pranavikshanam. And in so doing, we are providing a certain exercise or occupation to our mind. And mind wants to be occupied. Immediately we cannot make the mind free from occupations. And therefore, mind gets an occupation. Even asanam or the posture also, you can provide your mind an occupation in order to relax the body. And you can have, you can observe your body from the toe to the tip by going over mentally the entire body. This is what they call the mental massaging. So you are contacting all the parts of the body, beginning from the toe, the right side, right up to the top of the head, and go on the left half, and then back and forth, this itself becomes a very, very quietening and relaxing uh, exercise. So, when you are seated in asana or a posture, this is how you can relax the body. Then it, it, we are talking of relaxing. And then the breathing, the deep breathing, and pranavikshanam, observation or watching this breathing, witnessing the breathing, 
that also makes the breathing process also steady and relaxed. So that's the second step. And then the third one, second, the third is called Pratyahara. That is being said in the next passage. Indriyanam Svasvavishayabhya Pratyaharanam Pratyaharaha Then the next step is what? Pratyaharaha Withdrawal of the sense organs Indriyanam of the sense organs Svasvavishayabhya From their respective objects Pratyaharanam, self-withdrawal is called Pratyaharaha. So this is, Pratyaharanam means self-withdrawal. Withdrawing the sense organs from the occupation with their respective objects is called Pratyaharaha. How do you do that? So how do you withdraw your, actually when you say that, withdrawing the sense organs from the sense objects, it really means withdrawing the mind from the sense objects. Because sense organs, eyes and ears, don't really go to the objects. It is the mind that runs out through the sense organs to the respective objects. And so when you are meditating, because of our normal habit is moment there is some movement, you want to see that. If there is some sound, you want to hear that. So this has become the habit of the mind. Some sound is coming, immediately mind goes out to hear what's, what's that. See, some movement is, immediately mind goes out to the eyes to see what that movement is. So since this has become a habit of the mind to run after the sense objects through the aperture of the sense organs and if that habit of the mind continues, then of course mind cannot be steady. There will be a lot of distractions. So first source of distraction is the body. Therefore it said, the body may be comfortable and steady, the asanam. Second source of distraction is the breathing. If the breathing is not steady or balanced or in harmony, then also the mind gets disturbed. Third source of distraction is the sense organs. By sense organs we mean, because the sense organs are in contact with their respective sense objects, that contact of the sense organs with the sense objects can be a source of distraction. Because you hear the sound and you see some form and whatever it is, and that would become a source of distraction. So they say that withdrawing your attention from the sense organs. It is equivalent to saying that withdraw the sense organs from the respective sense objects. That is called pratyaharanam. So pratyaharaha. Now, when would the, why should the mind go into the sense objects? So, Lord Krishna says, Yato yato nischaradi manas chanchalam astiram tadasato niyamyaitada atman niyama vasham nayad. For whatever reason your mind runs out through the sense organs into the sense objects, for whatever reason the mind runs out, may you release your mind from that and bring it back. Atman niyama vasham nayad. Bring it back to the self. So methods are many. One method that is recommended in order to withdraw my mind from the sense objects is called dosha darshanam. It's called pratipaksha bhavana. Pratipaksha bhavana is 
they asking the mind to assume the opposite position. If the mind runs towards an object, because there is some fascination there, because there is an attachment, asakti is there, and therefore the mind is running towards an object, dosha darshanam. May the mind be made to see the dosha, or all the defects that is involved in any kind of a sense pleasure. And that is how may the mind be withdrawn from dwelling upon an object for the sense pleasure. If raga is, if dvesha is there, mind will run after these, you know, sense objects. But mainly, dosha drushtya muhur muhu. May the mind be made to see the dosha. Dosha means the defect that is involved in any kind of a sense pleasure. May the mind be made to see it again and again. And that is how may the mind be withdrawn from its attachment or fascination for the sense pleasure. This is called dosha darshanam. In that manner, one brings back one's mind from the sense occupation. Sapratyahara. Self-withdrawal. Indriyanam svasvishayabhya pratyaharanam pratyaharaha. Withdrawing the sense organs from the respective sense objects is called pratyaharaha. <coughs> so third source of distraction the contact of the sense organs with the sense objects. That also is now, uh, that also is given up. Now the mind is there, what do we do with the mind? Then the fourth step is given in the passage 206. vastuni antarindriyadharanam Dharana. So dharana, the next step is called concentration. So these are very, very, this is a very beautiful process. Regardless of what, this can be, this is a very technical thing as far as the yoga shastra is concerned. But as far as our day-to-day prayers and meditation is concerned, without getting to be too technical also, these steps are, they tell us the process of concentration. And so next step is Dharana meaning the concentration. Concentration upon the object of meditation is called dharana. So, dharana actually is concentration on a particular place. According to the Yoga Shastra, dharana is concentration of the mind on a particular place. What is that place? That place can be one of the centers in the body. You may focus your mind on different centers like heart or whatever or between the eyebrows, you know. So concentration of the mind on these places can also be called dharana. Or better than that, concentration of your mind upon the object of meditation, depending upon what you want to meditate upon. Suppose you are meditating upon a certain form, then concentration of the mind on that form. So this desha or the place where the mind is concentrated can be within your own body or can be without the body also. So either you may focus your mind upon a given center in the body itself or you may focus your mind upon an object of meditation that is different from you. Like meditating upon a deity, like meditating upon Dakshinamurti or Ganesha or whatever chosen deity is there that object of meditation should be something for which you have devotion, for which you have reverence, which gives, which inspires you. 
So thinking about which the mind gets inspired and thinking about which the mind becomes steady, that would be ideally the Ishtadevda or your chosen deity. And so anything that in which there is a for which you have a devotion, reverence, devotion, shraddha, bhakti are there, and thinking about which the mind becomes happy, mind becomes inspired, that would be a proper object of meditation. So whatever it is for a given person, as you said, it can be Dakshinamurti for someone, Ganesha for someone else, Krishna for someone else, or Christ for yet another one, or it may be no form. One may not want to meditate on a given form, then also the mind needs something to concentrate upon. So some some concept must be there for the mind to concentrate upon. Even when people say that we do not meditate upon form, you may not meditate upon a figure or an image in the form, but the mind definitely requires some form. If not in terms of a geometrical figure, a form, but mind requires some alambaram, some kind of an aid or a support it requires in order to focus his attention. Because mind cannot be without association with a name or a form. So if you don't take the form, some people take what we call a symbol or a mantra. So they repeat Om, 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 or Om Namah Shivaya. So for attention, concentration upon one of these things. Or concentration upon something else, like some people meditate upon the expanse, like the sky. They meditate upon the vastness of the ocean, meditate upon brightness of the light. These kind of things also they take up. Or some people meditate upon Father in the heavens or what? So it depends upon an individual upbringing and samskara and culture and what it is. But here, in the context of Vedanta, it is meditation upon the self. It says, Antarindri Advitiya Vastuni Antarindriya Dharanam Dharanam. But it may be difficult to right away concentrate upon the self, and therefore that concentration process also may follow a few steps. That's the reason why first we start with concentrating the mind upon a, a mantra. Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya. Om Namah Shivaya, or Om Ishaya Namaha, whatever. So therefore, may you repeat this and focus your attention on the mantra, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya. Because mind needs a preoccupation. And if that repetition is done not in a mechanical manner, but if that repetition is done with devotion and with a commitment, then it becomes naturally much more efficacious. And that's the reason why Shiva also means, of, Shiva means Lord or Brahman. And so Shiva is none other than Brahman, none other than the Self. Om no Shivaya. My salutations or prostrations to Lord Shiva. So you first focus your attention on the mantra. And then slowly and slowly you may focus your attention on the space or the gap between the two mantras. Om no Shivaya, silence. Om no Shivaya, Silence. Om Namah Shivaya. Silence. So slowly and slowly, may you shift your attention from the mantra to the silence. The mantra, silence. Mantra, silence. Thus you become aware of this. And slowly and slowly, you become more and more aware of silence. 
So, the attention goes from mantra and more to the silence. Ultimately, the mind focuses attention on silence itself. The silence is a self. The silence doesn't have a form. It is an awareful silence. Not a mechanical silence, but awareful silence. And therefore, you focus your attention on the silence. And as Brahma Mahashi says, Pranabandhanat leenamanasam eka chintanat nasamethyadaha. In this manner, when the mind has become lean, a meaning has become absorbed. So all the thoughts have sort of merged into silence. Eka chintanat. At that time, one thinks of that eka. Eka means advitiya vastura, the one. And that is the silence, awareness, I am. I, what I am seeing is silence. The seer also is silence. And therefore, the seer of the silence also is silence. The seer and seen, both of them are silent awareness. So silence, awareness, I am. This is how, and that awareness, silence, is, is everything. Not only I, but what I watch also, in essence, is the same silence, awareness. And this is how, advitiya vastuni, the vastu of the truth, which is advitiyam, one without a second, antirindriya dharanam, Concentration upon that is called dharana. In short, Yoga Shastra does not talk about Advitiya Vastu. Yoga Shastra does not say dharana or concentration means concentration upon the self, one without a second. They say that dharana or the concentration is concentration of the mind upon a certain place. Upon a certain place which may be a center in the body or a certain place may be a form of the deity a certain place may be a mantra, a certain place may be a concept upon which the mind is to be concentrated. And concentration is only possible when the mind enjoys what this concentrating upon. Mind is happy with what it concentrates upon. Otherwise, concentration becomes a big dif- difficult thing. Because if you don't like what you are concentrating upon, is not or not inspired by that, the mind is not going to be able to concentrate. And ultimately, concentration has to culminate into concentration upon the self, which is silence, awareness, witness. So, advitiya vastuni antirindiya dharanam dharana. Dharana is the concentration. And what's the next step? The passage 207 says that, Tatra Advitiya Vastuni Vichidya Vichidya Antarindriya Vritti Pravaha Dhyanam The next one Tatra Advitiya Vastuni Vichidya Vichidya Naturally, the mind doesn't remain steady upon the focus of concentration. And therefore, one finds that the mind gets distracted. Vichidya, vichidya, that is a breaking. So, thought flow is there, the thought flow is broken by what we call vijatiya pratyaya, or different kind of thoughts. So, now what is thought to be accomplished is that the mind maintains the same flow of thoughts. 
So dharana, concentration is when the mind is able to concentrate upon the object of meditation. The next is dhyanam is that when the mind is able to maintain a steady flow of the same object of meditation for a period of time, then it's called dhyanam. So say that vichidya vichidya, since it is the nature of the mind to get distracted, therefore you have to bring back the mind again and again to the object of meditation. As we said, yato yato nischaravi manas chanchalamastiram tatastato niyamyaitada atmanyo samnayed. The Vedantins will ask you to bring your mind back upon the content, upon the essence, upon the self. For whatever reason the mind gets distracted, from that reason may you bring the mind back to the self. Because when you listen to Vedanta and you know what the nature of the self is, where can the mind go? Mind really cannot go anywhere. Wherever the mind goes, the self alone. So make the mind see this fact. So you are focusing attention and concentrating upon the silence, awareness that the self is. And all of a sudden a thought may arise in the mind, the mind may get distracted, may start thinking of somebody or something. Because there is raga and dvesha, what distracts the mind is somebody may residue of raga and dvesha is there, attachment and aversion, and therefore the mind may get distracted. So what do you do? What's the process of bringing the mind back? The process is to make the mind see that the object that the mind is thinking of is also nothing other than self. So every ornament is nothing but, uh, but other than gold. So sometimes the mind gets distracted and thinks of the ornament form and therefore it forgets the gold. But in fact it cannot. And therefore, asti bhati priyam is the content of every name and form. So even when the mind thinks of a given name or form, you may bring the attention of the mind back to the content of the form which is asti bhati priyam. Asti is Bhati shines, Priyam is attractive. That shines, it is, shines and attractive. Asti, Bhati, Priyam. That is the content of every object, every name and form. So in fact, mind can never be away from the self. We think that the mind gets away from the self. Because there is a forgetfulness. When we think of the name and form, we seem to be losing the awareness of the content of the name and form, just remaining aware of that. And thus, if the mind gets distracted also, or if another thought comes in the mind to disturb this, again, may the mind be shifted to the content of the object it is thinking about. So, yato yato nishcharati. For whatever reason the mind gets distracted, tatas tatah bring it back, atman nyavasamnayel. <coughs> So vichidya vichidya, since the mind has not yet acquired that kind of a steadiness that it can retain that flow of thought for a length of time, the mind gets distracted again and again and therefore bring it back to the object of meditation. In this case, the self. Bring the mind, attention of the mind back to the self. This will be called dhyanam. All this somewhat differs from the definition that Yoga Shastra gives. According to Yoga Shastra, even dharana also is to be able to concentrate for a period of time. And dhyana means to be able to meditate without any break for a length of time. That is called dhyana or meditation. Here on the other hand, dhyana is defined as there is a break 
and bringing the mind back is called dhyanam. So, vichidya vichidya antarindriya vritti pravaha dhyanam. Antarindriya is the mind. Vritti pravaha is the flow of thought. So, flow of the thought of the mind uh, upon the object of concentration is called dhyanam of meditation. <coughs> And finally, so each previous one becomes a preparation for the next one. And each step also requires a practice done for a great length of time. Then alone the next step comes. And finally, the eighth step is the, uh, is, is the Samadhi, the last one, says in the passage 208. Samadhistu Uktaha Savikalpaka eva Samadhistu Uktaha Samadhi, you can say, an effortless abidance of the mind. So an effortless abidance of the mind is Samadhi. Has already been stated, is Savikalpakaha. Savikalpakaha means with distinction. So the first stage of Samadhi or abidance is a distinction. And that was discussed in the earlier passages that in a, an abidance with a distinction. So there is a distinction of the, the knower and the known and the knowledge. That slight distinction remains. The illustration was given there, that even when you are looking at a clay elephant, and when you are aware of the elephant, you are also simultaneously aware of the clay. So this is a distinction. Distinction between the clay and the form. So an elephant come has a certain form. And therefore, I am looking at the elephant. I am aware of the form. At the same time, I am also aware of the clay. And this this kind of a distinction between the form and the content. So I know that this form is mithya. And this clay which is satyam. And therefore, awareness of that form does not really distract me from the awareness of the content. Because the mithyatvam of the form is known. And so it's quite all right, but still that awareness has remained, the distinction of the clay and the form has remained. And similarly also when the distinction remains of the seer and the seen, knowing well that this duality is false and therefore that duality does not really matter, so that would be called the Savikalpaka Samadhi, with distinction. These are the eight steps leading finally to what was called nirvikalpaka samadhi or an abidance of the mind without even the awareness of the distinction. That is the angi. So these are called anga. This eight beginning from yama and ending into savikalpaka samadhi are called anga, means the limbs. Nirvikalpaka samadhi is called angi. So this body is angi. The hands and legs and head etc. are called anga. And so uh, this nirvikalpaka samadhi or an effortless abidance of the mind in the self without the distinction of this no one and the known is the, is what is sought to be ultimately achieved and for which these eight steps become the anga or the limbs. Eight steps leading to this final objective. And this is how this author here has sought to uh, integrate both the yoga and uh, to integrate the yoga in the Vedanta also. Very rarely you find this kind of a treatment in Vedantic texts. 
where the Vedantic texts talk about asana, pranayama, etc. But this author has sought to integrate the two because these practices are extremely helpful and necessary also. So, Vedantin seeks to attain the same thing by what we call Viveka and Vairagya, of course. Then he seeks to steady his mind not so much by practices as much as by discerning. Nitya, Nitya Vastu Viveka or the discrimination between the permanent and the impermanent or this whole idea of praptasya praptihi the attainment of the already attained. So when the mind is seeking something what disturbs the mind is when the mind is seeking something and making the mind see that the seeker is a sort what is being seeking what the mind is seeking is in fact the seeker himself and as the mind is made to see that its activity the extrovert activity automatically becomes you know my mind becomes released from that activity of seeking of achieving of doing of becoming which is a product of what we call aviveka or non-discrimination. So the Vedantins seek to achieve their end by viveka or discrimination. But in that process, all of these also are extremely helpful and therefore this author has mentioned these steps also as being helpful in attainment of an abidance in knowledge. It is necessary that the knowledge should become an abiding knowledge and whatever obstacles are there in abidance should be taken care of. And in that process, all these steps are very helpful. That's why they are mentioned here. Okay. <clears throat> Om Puranamadav Puranamidam Puranat Puranamudachyate Puranasya Puranamadaya Puranameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutau Vande Bhagavantau Punapunaha Ishvaro Gururatmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo